Coming up this hour, we're going to start with some poetry. Plus, we're going to learn from a local pastor and some articles some friends sent us. This is The Common Good. Everyone, welcome to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. I don't ever actually say it, but I'm I'm feeling spry. Happy Friday, Brian. Happy Friday. Yes, I keep forgetting what day it even is, right? But <laughs> it's Friday. That's maybe why I felt inclined to say it. This is more like a public service announcement. Like, hey, everyone listening, it's Friday. Just, just so you're aware. <laughs> <laughs> it is Friday. What are you guys doing this weekend? Yep, same as all the uh-huh, other. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Oh, I got some plans. It all involves staying indoors. Uh, Anywho, if you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show. That's where you can send us links and articles. In fact, a little later in the show, we're going to cover some articles that friends sent us via the Facebook page. And uh, you can also find us at 1160hope.com slash The Common Good, plus wherever it is you get podcasts. And if you are a podcaster, we know that a lot of you are looking for podcasts to share might you consider us? And if you hit that share button or that subscribe button, if you give a little rate and review, all of that does really help us out because ultimately uh, our hope is that this show and this platform would serve all of you well. So if there's ever anything that we can do that you think would help improve it or uh, would be more useful to you during this time of pandemic and uncertainty and for some of us fear and anxiety, uh, we really want the common good to be a bit of an oasis where we can kind of all come together and, uh, and and kind of help each other heal a little bit. So um, this is going to be a common good first. Yep. But uh, there's an article that I read that was talking about these two uh, poems about the coronavirus that, that went viral. And uh, I don't know that we've ever actually shared poetry on this show, but it feels a little appropriate as we're kind of heading into the weekend, as the news continues to stress most of us out, as we continue to worry and wrestle with doubt and fear, maybe some of us anger. I thought, why not, why not give poetry a try? So there's these two poems. I'm going to read one of them, and then Brian's going to read the other, and we're just going to respond a little bit to them because sometimes in the midst of chaos, a little poetry, a little artistry is sort of good for the soul. Right. So this first one is from Ling, uh, Lynn Unger, and the poem is called Pandemic, and here's what she writes. So what if you thought of it as the Jews considered the Sabbath, the most sacred of times? Cease from travel. Cease from buying and selling. Give up just for now on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing, pray, touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. When your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has become clear. Do not reach out your hands, but reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love for better or for worse in sickness and in health so long as we all shall live. So I'd love to know, Brian, you're hearing that for the first time. What do you think of that? I think you have a good way of reading poetry too. Like that. Oh, you thanks, know, <laughs> I love that, uh, that sense of... Um, you know, stay closely to the people that you're the closest to, right? That's all we can do at this moment, right? Right, Like these are the people and linking it to Jewish Sabbath and what they did when they voluntarily, or by at least, you know, by religious ceremony, they shut down, we're being forced to shut down. Yeah. uh, But still kind of that's this thought process of 
uh, take advantage of the shutdown uh, while as long as you have your health and this and that, you know, use it for kind of the same way that Sabbath was intended, I think is is beautiful. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And I think sometimes that is when poetry does its best work, when it helps kind of reframe for you something yeah. that you're wrestling with. And we're in this unique opportunity where we're all grappling and wrestling with very similar things. So in some ways, this is why uh, I really love Wendell Berry, who's someone who's both a theologian, but also a poet. And sometimes I just think the two of them go hand in hand so beautifully. And sometimes it bums me out that often theology is sort of, uh, kept trapped away in the ivory towers and poetry is over here in the coffee shops. And I think sometimes when they come together, that can be a beautiful thing. Why don't you read this uh, second one for us? Yeah, this is by uh, someone named Kitty O'Mara. It's called in the time of pandemic. Uh, And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and were still and listened more deeply Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows, and the people began to think differently, and the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. What do you think about that one? You got a good poetry voice too, man. I, don't, I felt man. it. I felt it. Really? <laughs> Learning a lot about each other in this. That was well done, man. I, I think I saw a quote, I forget who it was by, but it was something like, um, in our rush to return to normal, let's use this time to be mindful of what parts of normal we actually want to return to. Now, that to me was really convicting. Like there's a lot of talk about like, gosh, I can't wait till we just get back to normal. You're like, yeah, normal for some of us was workaholism. Mm. Normal for some of us was not actually spending enough time with our family or with technology off or watching a sunset or playing a board game or being mindful to reach out to those we love most. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's some of what was normal, at least for me that I shouldn't head back to. And I think that, that poem kind of tugged at my heartstrings a little bit just with regards to this really uh, forced slowing down. And it's, and it's obviously more than that. And it's terrifying and people are losing their lives and people are being ripped apart. Like it's, I'm not saying like, wow, what a nice just opportunity to Sabbath. It's way darker than that. Um, But there is something to be said about like paying attention to some of the new rhythms we establish now and to not just, you know, cast them all aside once, once we're out of this thing, you know? No, I totally agree. And like you said, uh, for those of us who haven't been hit by the actual virus, uh, it, it, the forced slowdown is an opportunity to go, you know, what are the most important things? And I felt that as a church, right? Like it has gotten yeah. to be so hyper-focused on just trying to find ways to connect. And then you think, wow, when we actually have the freedom to connect at any point in any way that we want, uh, we often don't or we often uh, just kind of let that go by. And I think you bring up a, an interesting point even about what will normal look like. Right. Because uh, I think normal is going to look very different than it did before this um, for uh, individuals, for churches, and uh, just our culture and our society as a whole. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that someday down the road. But yeah, you know, uh, using the opportunity of slow down. Like I've, I mean, you almost feel guilty saying that there's parts of this that you've enjoyed, but I have enjoyed being 
with my wife and my kids so much, right? Like, oh yeah. In some sure. ways, it's 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 a gift that you wish hadn't come about in this way, but it is a gift that you don't want to miss and and lose the ability uh, to to you know, dive into and just enjoy those times that we have together. Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily know that I would say gift. I think maybe opportunity. Yeah. Gift yeah. to me imply, you know, the intent of a gift is joy is, um, blessing. You know, like this is, I think to me, it's sort of how I feel theologically when people, when terrible things happen and they'll kind of shrug their shoulders and say, well, everything happens for a reason. I'm like, no, I think yeah. God can redeem all things can, make beauty from ashes. Uh, but yeah, and again, we've said it numerous times, you know, I, I think first and foremost, it is a pandemic and it's frightening, it's terrifying. And it's something Correct. that um, Bible does tell us not to fear. And we don't have to fear like in a cosmic existential sense, but there still are very real human concerns now. But to your point though, yeah, like using this as an opportunity to really hit pause a little bit, to slow down, to reevaluate. And I, I, for one, I think that's a really, really important way uh, to kind of go about uh, this next season. Absolutely. But coming up next, I mentioned it earlier, a couple of friends sent us two articles that are completely unrelated, but I want to talk about them both because I think they're really interesting. That's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm. A happy Friday to you, although the weather isn't ideal. Brian was saying off air, man, if, if it's going to be a quarantine pandemic, the weather should at least be forced to be 72 and sunny. Like that should be <laughs> some kind of requirement. I, my poor boys, it's interesting. I was saying yesterday too, they don't really know anything's happening. You know, they're two and one. So they're sort of like, why are we inside all the time? Like, why can't we go out and why can't we play in the gym? And it's interesting kind of seeing some of their, some of the, like their two and one year old stir crazy kind of bubble to the surface. So I imagine we're not alone in that. I think a yeah. lot of people are probably feeling that. Um, but I wanted to share some good news. And I mentioned this earlier. So some friends of ours uh, shared these articles with us. If uh, you would like to share articles or stories or ideas, you can head on over to the Facebook page, which is The Common Good Radio Show. You can also review and share that page if you want. And uh, you can also find us at 1160hope.com slash the common good. All our previous shows are there. And you can also find us wherever it is you get your podcasts, if you wouldn't mind. Maybe, maybe today's the day. Just hit that yeah, share today's button. The day. Just subscribe to it, rate it, review it, give it a little thumbs up, and then send it to a friend. All of that does really, really help us out a whole lot. And we appreciate those of you who have. And we appreciate you even if you haven't. Let's be honest. We, we mm -hmm. just appreciate you. Just and, a little uh, bit less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, I did not say that. That's Brian. <laughs> That's all Brian. Uh, so I found this article, Brian, and I asked you to read it because it uh, involves the MLB and you out loud went, I love the MLB. <laughs> <laughs> I do love baseball. Man, you am do. I missing it. Yesterday was supposed to be opening day and uh, yeah. obviously there's bigger things going on, but uh, my son texted me at like 1210. He's like, should be first pitch right now. <laughs> oh, that's so hard. Oh, <laughs> uh, but this is, uh, you know, I think you and I have both, uh, amidst all the hard news of the pandemic and everything going on, we do want to give some good news, uh, and some highlight companies doing good things. And yeah. so this is out of Bleacher Report it says MLB, uh, and fanatics agree to produce masks and gowns instead of jerseys amid COVID-19. Let me just read some of that. Uh, Fanatic CEO Michael Rubin announced Thursday he has converted a factory that makes MLB jerseys into one that makes masks and gowns for health workers. 
The product will go to frontline medical workers and hospitals working to treat the corona, uh, coronavirus pandemic. Philadelphia Governor Tom Wolf and Attorney General Josh Shapiro requested help over the week, while MLB Commissioner Mark Rob Manfred also agreed to halting production of MLB jerseys. Uh, we're fortunate, Ruben said, to have this giant factory in Pennsylvania that makes all these baseball jerseys and to have the commissioner of baseball behind us and to have the governor and attorney general saying, how do we make a difference? Uh, if you can make a difference, you've got to go out uh, and do that. It says, though the masks and gowns will initially go across Pennsylvania, Ruben noted they will eventually go to help those in New Jersey uh, and New York where they're getting hit so badly right now by the coronavirus. And so, uh, you know, you start hearing, especially with there being some uh, issues with the government and what they're making and not making, you're hearing about these private companies right. uh, kind of uh, shutting down what they normally do and trying to be part of the solution. And, and this is a cool article about Fanatics and MLB going, you know what, we're going to hit pause on, on the jerseys, we're going to hit pause uh, on the stuff that makes us money, and we're going to try to help. Uh, get into the the real heroes, the hospital workers. We're going to try to get to them what they need. Uh, so uh, bravo to them. And hopefully we continue to hear stories like this of companies doing this. Yeah. And I wanted to be committed to sharing some of those stories too, because it feels like in terms of accessibility, uh, the frightening news seems to be winning out the good news yeah. five to one in my newsfeed right now. Easily. It feels like, if yeah, if you want to find something terrifying or overwhelming or negative even, uh, not hard to find. And you really got to kind of dig a little bit for some of the good news. So we're going to do it even a little bit later in the show, share some other good news. But I do yep. want to give a shout out to my friend Dave Perez. He's the one who shared that article with us. The second one is from a friend, Allison Kranz, who both these people are just brilliant too. I'm just grateful for them. And uh, hers is not in any way like the story you just shared. Um, but I thought it was actually a pretty good idea. So it says, Families encourage kids to go on bear hunts to pass time while social distancing. Families can go on bear hunts to keep kids active and entertained while practicing good social distancing amid the coronavirus pandemic. So some of you may be panicked. Um, just as a disclaimer, we're not talking about real bears. Um, <laughs> just, to, just to get that out into the digital ether, make sure that's clear. Uh, so Tampa, Florida, don't be surprised if you start seeing stuffed animals in windows and on front porches in the Tampa Bay area. It's all part of a new neighborhood adventure called Bear Hunt. With kids being out of school right now due to COVID-19 pandemic, it can be quite difficult to keep them entertained indoors. Communities across the county and in the Tampa Bay area have found a creative way to get kids out of their house to do something fun. Right now, all the kids are out of school and everyone's going on walks. It'd be really fun to put teddy bears in the windows, South Tampa mom Sarah Lawson said, so that the kids can experience going on a bear hunt while they're out on their walks. Lawson got the idea from her neighbor, and joined in on the bear hunt. The goal is to keep kids entertained, but also teach them uh, while still practicing six feet of social distancing. The whole adventure is based on the children's picture book called We're Going on a Bear Hunt by Michael Rowan. The family goes on a walk around the neighborhood and eventually find a bear. So not um, like groundbreaking news, but certainly the kind of news that for me, I think that's, that's some of the best of humanity when we all collectively say, we're all struggling here, right? We're all feeling stir crazy. What if we all rallied together to sort of serve and love our kids and love our neighbors in this way? I don't know. It, I thought it was a really clever idea. And I saw people doing something similar on St. Patty's Day when they were putting uh, like shamrocks on their windows. And I, and I just think, I think this is a great idea. 
I do too. Uh, like you said, uh, our neighborhood through the schools, they did that on St. Patrick's Day, like you said. So everyone colored uh, just, you know, it was just a coloring page, colored a shamrock and put it in their windows. But you'd see kids walking around and, and seeing them, anything to kind of break the monotony, right? Like, so right. my daughter's got some sidewalk chalk the other day and, and yeah. they wrote nice notes on the sidewalk. It's like these little things that I think people appreciate. It just changes the monotony of the day. <laughs> it yeah. really does. And, uh, and so I do, I like that story about, uh, like, uh, putting actual stuff to animals is kind of like next level right there. And, uh, yeah, you, you're, I, you're I just sort of, like community. Sort of a, a professional dad. Do you have any other suggestions for people who are like needing new routines or new ideas to keep their kids entertained? No, <laughs> I'm kind of a professional dad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm only two years into this thing, so I, I don't have any ideas. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, it sounds a little counterintuitive. Keep them off their phones as much as you can. Like keep them being creative. I think creative kind of as they're being creative, they get more creative, right? Like the juices yeah, right. get flowing. Right. Uh, when it's nice enough, be outside, go for walks, uh, have them do some stuff that, that, that they're doing together and, and take some time. Like I said, like, um, you know, the internet's a wonderful place to find things that they can learn to bake or learn to learn a new skill or go outside. And like you said, uh, do stuff on the site, whatever else it might be. I think continuing to spark their creativity uh, is uh, is the best bet. The easy thing is like, go play another video game, go take your phone. And I think that's going to be counterproductive for you. Yeah, I think you're right. I also want to give a shout out. So my uh, mother-in-law, Marion Alvarado, started a ministry called Timothy's Ministry. You can learn more, by the way, at timothysministry.org. And uh, it is a really wonderful, beautiful ministry to homeless men and women of Chicago. And another dear friend of ours, Deb Lawrence, uh, she made a bunch of like handmade bags of toiletries and masks that she made herself. And Marion posted a bunch of photos today of, uh, of people like distributing them while still practicing the six feet of social distancing. Like no, they're really? just, yeah, they're going after it. And it is honestly so inspiring. And it's so cool to see like one friend serving another friend's ministry and just doing it in a way that, I don't know, when that stuff shows up in my newsfeed, I think, yeah, this is, this is the good stuff of humanity. I want to be sure to celebrate and highlight. So honestly, we've had on the show, incredible ministry. If you go to timothysministry.org, there's lots of opportunities to pray for them, to give, to serve, to come alongside them. Either way, if you're looking for a local place, making really good local impact, uh, Timothy's ministry would be a tremendous place to go. And it's my mother-in-law. There you go. So coming up next, uh, Pastor Josh Moody, who is a local pastor here in Chicagoland, uh, has some words to share with the rest of us that I think you're really going to appreciate. That's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hi, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with the right Reverend Brian James Fromm. If you want to find us on Facebook, you can do that at The Common Good Radio Show. You can not only subscribe to the channel. No, that's not true. You can like the page. That's what you do on Facebook, right? Like pages. Is yes, that, that is what you do. Or follow. <laughs> I think also follow. Yes. Follow and like. Yeah, all right. You can follow and like. I'm also told you can leave a review I don't know if that does anything, but it's worth a shot. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel good. <laughs> you know, and uh, beggars can't be choosers at this point, man. Whatever. Yes. <laughs> that would like make my day. If you want to head there, you can also, though, uh, send us messages via the Facebook page. If you have ideas for show content or an interview or even just a concept or an idea, you can do all of that there. We just did a couple of articles from friends who sent us articles via the Facebook page. You can also find us at 1160hope.com slash the common good. 
plus we are podcasted. So wherever it is you get podcasts, uh, you can subscribe, rate, review to those, and maybe share it with a friend. And one of the things we've been doing the last week and a half or so uh, is to try to get other local voices to weigh in on the thing that's on everyone's mind. So we're all thinking coronavirus. We're all thinking COVID-19 at some level, at some degree. And Brian and I thought it'd be really important to get the voices and perspectives of other local leaders, other local pastors. And uh, one guy is a guy named Josh Moody. He's the pastor at College Church in Wheaton. Great dude, huge, huge intellect, just like a really wonderful man of God. And uh, he sent us some audio uh, in grappling with this current coronavirus pandemic. And uh, I wanted you all to just take a listen. We obviously live in uncertain times. Just a few weeks ago, the world felt very different. And here we are facing these perilous circumstances, unsure how long it will continue or exactly what the exit strategy may be. We are unsure of the future. Of course, we've always been unsure of the future, but we're not unsure of who does know the future. And in uncertain times, we need to rely upon a certain and secure God. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. God is not surprised by what is happening. His plan has not changed. His uh, long-term strategy has not been derailed. All these events are mysteriously, wondrously, in his hands. And because of these truths about the sovereignty of God, we who serve the living God have a refuge and a strong fortress to rely upon in these times. I say, what does that mean? What it means uh, that we need to uh, move away from anxiety and uh, towards taking each day as it comes. Uh, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, uh, Jesus taught. Uh, he uh, will provide us enough manna, enough resources for each day. And so we move uh, from anxiety towards trust. We cast our cares upon him uh, because he cares for us. And uh, we move away from anxiety towards trust through prayer, uh, through these great truths about God's sovereignty. We tell ourselves the truths of God in the midst of all these difficulties and uncertainties uh, that we are facing uh, right now. Our God is not surprised. Our God is still on the throne. He rules, and uh, he is not shaken, even when the very foundations of the world seem to be shaken. At the same time, it does uh, cause us to remember our frailty, and that is a good thing. We cannot uh, pretend in these circumstances that we control everything. One little virus has, uh, changed, has changed everything. And that also causes us, causes us to rely upon the sovereignty of God, the power of Christ, the truth of the gospel, and the prevailing confidence that we have in our Lord Jesus, sovereign God. Uh, he is indeed in charge. And he has promised that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And whether we face uncertainty, uh, disease, 
or even death. We who worship Jesus worship a God whose Christ died and rose again. And it is that message of the gospel to which we need to return. And it is my prayer, along with many thousands of others, that these circumstances will lead us to return to the God who made us, to the God who calls us to himself. May that be the case. This is Pastor Josh, and it's been my joy to spend just a few moments with you. All right. So hearing that now, Brian, what do you think of all that? Uh, he's brilliant, man. Like, he really is. He really <laughs> and is. I love, and I love the accent. Let's just start there. That doesn't hurt. No, but he made so many great points, but I love the one where he basically said, we are sure of the one who does know the future. Like we mm-hmm. don't know the future and we're not promising the future, but we're no, we know one who does like that, that, that concept of knowing the one as like our faith is in a, is in a person and it's in God and uh, that God is not surprised. Uh, I found that really helpful because, you know, it's that lack of knowing the future that can really make us anxious and make us uneasy in times like this. Like, am I going to get sick? Is my family going to get sick? What's right. next? What's going to be like in two weeks? And and it does provide comfort to know that we we worship and serve a God who's not surprised and he does know uh, and uh, and he does promise to be present. So I, I was grateful for that. What did you think? It, it made me think of uh, that Corey Ten Boom quote. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Mm, like, that's uh, a good way to put it. Yeah. A lot of us wish we knew the future, right? Yeah. Like we wish we knew how long is this going to last? How long do I have to deal with this? Even if we weren't in the midst of a pandemic, like, you know, when will I get married or when will I get this house or when will I get this job? Like, I think there's a, a lot of us that probably desire some level to know the future, but that invitation that, man, there's plenty about the future that we don't know. But the idea of never being afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Um, I don't know. I found a lot of strength in that. And I think that you're right. Here's someone, Josh, who, who leads a church. who's also a husband and a father. Like there's just so much humanity, I think, to his wisdom yeah. that feels accessible right now. And like, I just appreciate, I don't know. I feel really grateful in general that we have local friends and pastors and leaders Absolutely. who are willing to even share their voice in this dialogue. So I think it's really important that we're actually helping each other walk through this difficult season. Yeah. And you even start to see some of the same common threads from yes. these different pastors and leaders uh, sending us like even Josh uh, talked about manna. Uh, he'll provide enough manna each day. And I think it was two or three days ago. I forget who's we listened to, but it was, I think it was Chris Castaldo. Uh, who yeah. talked about the manna from exit in, in the book of Exodus, kind of that same theme of God providing uh, and God still uh, being active. I, I just think that you start to see these themes and you're like, okay, like I really need to listen to that. I really need to hold on to that. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, coming up next, I want to take a little different approach. So obviously when talking about a, a pandemic, uh, it's easiest, I think, for us to run to the extremes when it comes to outcomes. But sort of a subset of this outcome, though, is that stuff's getting canceled all over the place and people are having to deal with um, weddings being postponed and trips being postponed and like really big life events. So the Gospel Coalition wrote this article called Everything's Canceled, Dealing with Disappointment in a Pandemic. We're going to talk about that next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, 
friends. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Michael Simpkins. His name is Brian James Fromm. It is Friday, although it doesn't feel like a Friday at all. Do you sense that? You like Fridays so much. Does it feel like a typical Friday to you at all? No. no. Every day feels identical and it'll feel that way tomorrow on Saturday. We'll be like, wait, it's Saturday? Like it all just is the same now because we're all in our houses. <laughs> right, right. Hey, did you say tomorrow and Saturday? No, I said, and tomorrow being Saturday oh, is going to feel the same way. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I think you're right. Yeah, it's all like everything. That has one been one of the weird things of the past couple, week or two because your normal rhythms, I, at least for me, are off. Like I normally have this meeting on this day or this on that day, and they're just all the normal rhythms are off, uh, even how we uh, just eat things we do as a family. So uh, just getting used to it. But no, it is Friday, but it does not feel like a normal Friday. Well, and just to give a plug again, two resources that have been really helpful for me, at least in this kind of new rhythm season. Uh, one, thecommonrule.org. I'll just let you go there because it's, uh, it's all about a rule of life. And there's one specifically for uh, rhythms for quarantine. And the other one is this, this app that I downloaded called Daily Prayer. And just scheduling uh, prayers, they kind of, they go off on your phone at the scheduled times. And it's in a really wonderful, helpful slowing down throughout the business. Because like for me, you know, and I'm sure you feel this too. Now, like work and home all kind of blend together. And if I'm not careful, it'll it'll get out of control. So I've been really grateful for some of these uh, rhythms and resources to kind of help keep some of those things in check. Um, I don't think I gave the information yet. So if you want to find us on Facebook, you can do that at the Common Good Radio Show. You can subscribe, rate, review. No, you can't do that. You can like and follow and leave a review and send us messages. You can also find us wherever you get podcasts. And Brian found this article uh, from the Gospel Coalition. And its headline is, Everything's Canceled, Dealing with Disappointment in a Pandemic. And I don't know, you had a spring break trip that you were looking forward to, right? I was supposed to leave this weekend. We were supposed to go to Florida. Oh, man. I'm and, sorry. Uh, you know, like with the rest of people with school-aged kids, this is spring break coming up here in Illinois. So everyone has had to cancel their trips. Everybody was getting out of town. Right. Uh, I told you, bigger deal, my son, uh, later in July, his baseball team was supposed to do a tournament in Cooperstown, which was like right. just going to be unbelievable. It got canceled already. Uh, and then... You know, just just for them, you know, school being out, what's going to happen, their seasons are kind of on hold, like baseball or whatever else. Again, you know, you almost feel guilty at times talking about this because in light of people fighting for their lives in the midst right. of the coronavirus, right. well, it's not so bad. But th- this is what most of us right now are dealing with. Right, uh, right. I don't think it's enough for us to go, oh, you shouldn't feel badly about those things. No, I think we all should legitimately, uh, in some ways, even mourn the disappointments of things that we had planned, Right, uh, things that were going to be. And like you even mentioned, it goes even further when you hear about people who've had to cancel weddings uh-huh. uh, and things like that. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of disappointment. And that's what's really because most of us, if we don't get sick, these kinds of things are still going to last. Just these uh, these life moments that were missed out on, you know, you think of the college kids who aren't going to get to walk in graduation. Right. Um, and all these other, these, these sports teams in college and high school whose seasons just got canceled. And right. again, none of this is life and death, but man, it's, it's just acknowledging the disappointment of that. I do think is a really important thing because we've all on some level are feeling this. Well, and that's why I thought this article was really good because yeah, a lot of people listening won't be fighting for their lives, but they are actually feeling a bunch of disappointment. And maybe some people haven't given themselves like space 
to be disappointed. So why don't, why don't you get us into this article? Because it's got a couple of suggestions that I think are really helpful. Yeah. It, one last point. I was talking to my wife the other day and I said to her, I said, I feel really down today. And I was trying to figure out why. And I actually think it had just it, like for that moment, it wasn't like something that stuck, but for that moment, I was feeling weighted down just by the things we were missing out on and the yeah. things we'd kind of lost. I was like, oh, I'm just kind of sad that we're not going on spring break and we're not oh, doing yeah. this. And again, uh, I think we can just own those. Well, anyway, like you said, they give four things uh, here at the Gospel Coalition to dealing with the disappointment and all the canceling that's going on. Number one, look upward. Rather than dismiss our own sufferings compared to those of others or distance ourselves from God in frustration, we could draw near to our Savior who suffered greatly so that we can pour out our hearts before God. Hmm. We could be honest in prayer. God knows our thoughts before they're formed, our words before they're on our tongues. His knowledge of us and how this pandemic uniquely affects us is perfect and complete. God also knows by experience the sorrow of this world through the life of his son, Jesus Our great high priest both sympathizes with us and intercedes for us. When we look to Jesus, we're reminded that God loves us and is working uh, for our good. So I think that's a good call. Like look upwards and express these disappointments. Yeah. The second one is look inward. She writes, desire and anticipation are not wrong and neither are disappointment and grief. But the disappointment we feel in response to what we've lost to the COVID-19 pandemic can tell us a great deal about our hearts. The object of our disappointment tells us what we love, i.e., family events or experiences, competition, learning, memory making, and so on. But the magnitude of that disappointment can sometimes reveal an inordinate desire or disordered love, unmasking something we love or desire more than God himself. As we pray about our disappointments, God often tenderly reveals our sins to us. Thanks be to God that in Christ, we are offered both forgiveness for disordered loves and the help of the spirit to reorder them. And by his grace, through this reorientation of our hearts, we, like the Apostle Paul, Learn the secret to being content in all circumstances. That's really good. That's good. Number three, look around. In scripture, one of God's clearly expressed purposes for our pain is that through it, he makes us able to comfort others. As you draw near and receive the comfort of the Lord in your place of disappointment, you become better able to minister to others in their grief. As he reorders your affections, helping you obey the greatest commandment, you become better able to fulfill the second, to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And so a third place to look in the midst of disappointment is at the people around you. Consider how you might be a blessing. A friend whose wedding was canceled by her venue donated her flowers to nursing homes Mm. where residents were lonely without visits from their loved one. Artist Andrew Peterson's tour, we were supposed to be there, was Uh postponed, but he's reading aloud to homebound fans via the internet. Who is your neighbor? Who do you know who might be sick or lonely or afraid? Mm. Do they know the truth of the gospel? Consider the disappointments of others and ask God what good works he may have for you to walk in during this strange time. Show them that you see so that they will know that he sees. Oh man, that's really good. All right, last one. Number four, look ahead. Any disappointment we experience in this life is a reminder that this world is not as it should be. The hope deferred makes the heart sick. A promise fulfilled is a tree of life and all of God's promises in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. Though we need not borrow trouble from tomorrow and though we're wise to rest in the knowledge that we're held and kept in this present moment, we do well to look far, far ahead through the, the disappointments we now feel so acutely into eternity where there will be no more reason for sorrow, 
no more cause for disappointment, and no more sickness threatening our loved ones or our livelihood. This is a cause for rejoicing even and perhaps especially amid griefs great and small. This hope provides an anchor for the soul in uncertain times. This hope will not disappoint or put us to shame. I think that is a great suggestion of an article, Brian. That was super encouraging. Yeah, it's written by Abby Wedgworth. So Uh, good. She lives in South Carolina. It's really good. She says, as we draw near to our faithful Savior in disappointment, he wipes away our tears, cures our blindness to our sin, helps us see the hurts and needs of others, and lifts our gaze to how he's at work in the present. I just think that's it's beautiful. And I think it's important for people out there to not feel guilty about being disappointed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just because there are people who are in a life and death struggle, it, it doesn't do away. You know, if you just push those disappointments away, that's not going to be healthy. So acknowledge them, deal with them. And I think this article is a great way to process them. Yeah, I totally agree. Speaking of processing, coming up next, Brian and I, as many of you know, are also pastors. And so we wanted to spend a little time just kind of navigating pastorally. How are we doing personally and hopefully offer an encouraging word or two all of you listening in the midst of all this pandemic that's coming up next here on the common good on am 1160 hope for your life hey everyone it's ian simpkins here and i remember the first time that i actually learned about thriving financial i was pastoring a church in bartlett and me and two other pastors had this dream this idea to better care for the marriages in our communities. And so we started to dream up this conference idea. What if we actually hosted a local conference to pour into marriages and couples in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our communities? And Thrive and Financial kind of came alongside and not only like made the conference possible, but they were actually interested in partnering with us as churches, as pastors, to help people not only be wise with money, but to live more generously, which was always a value that I had and always struggled to find organizations that actually wanted to help our churches do that. And so that's actually kind of the beginning of what's been a really beautiful journey and relationship with Thrive and to actually be wise with money, to live generously, and to help other people do the same. And so if that interests you, I'd encourage you to go to Thrivent.com to learn more. Coming up this hour, believe it or not, we're going to talk Chris Hemsworth, Taylor Swift, and the ever-brilliant Dr. Warren Anderson. This is The Common Good. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us if you want to, but only digitally because we're all quarantined on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. And uh, it's there that we post all of our articles, and there are some great discussions on those articles. You can also review the page or share the page. All of that does really help out a whole lot. Plus, you can send us messages there if you have ideas for articles or topics or interviews. Uh, We would love for this show to serve you well, especially in this season of pandemic and uncertainty. Uh, We would love to bring a little bit of comfort or a little bit of light. And if there's anything that we can do to do that better, uh, we would love to do that. You can also find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk, 1160hope.com slash the common good and wherever it is you get podcasts. If you're the podcasting type, like let's say you're a podcast pro and you listen at twice the speed while doing the dishes, while running a marathon, uh, I totally get it. No, I don't. But if you want to <laughs> subscribe to it, rate it, review it, and then share it with a friend because a lot of people are looking for podcasts right now, that would be tremendously helpful. But uh, one of the things that Brian and I have been trying to do is to not just simply read stuff written by other people and, you know, this article and this audio clip, but also, at least for a little bit, 
uh, kind of share some of our own thoughts as honestly, we're navigating all of this with the rest of you. We're traversing the same uncharted territory. So uh, Brian, from once you kick us off, just sharing some pastoral wisdom. I will, you know, today I was drawn to uh, a, ver- a passage that we often, I often use at Easter time hmm. uh, and Easter is coming up, but man, it felt so uh, appropriate today. It's Paul's words in first Corinthians, very famous verse verses first uh, Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 50, uh, 54, he says, uh, and this is out of the uh, New Living Translation. It says, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And hmm. uh, I want to pause there before reading the next part. It's, you know, we are surrounded at least by talk of illness and death and uh, to be reminded uh, that, that it doesn't even say he will give us the victory over hmm. sin and death through Jesus Christ. It says he gives us currently uh, right, we have right. victory in Jesus Christ. And so what does that result in? And that's where verse 58 becomes such good news. That because of this, so, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Mm. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Like, we keep hearing all this talk right now, man, like about being fir- standing firm and being strong. Uh, and, and here, Paul tells the church, be strong and immovable. But it's not a hollow command. It is based mm. on what he just talked about which is that we already have victory over death in Jesus Christ, that he, Mm. uh, through his death and resurrection, has already defeated sin and death, uh, that even when we see death and even when we see brokenness around us, Jesus not is going to win the victory, but has already won the victory. And as we internalize that, as we grasp that, that's when he says, so dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable and do the work of the Lord. Like be enthusiastic and go do the work of the Lord. Like there's a freedom in that, right? Be strong and immovable. Go love your neighbor. Go love God. You know, go out and do the work of the Lord. But it is all based on this firm foundation uh, that Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again, uh, defeating sin and death for all time. I just, th- that passage, I love to do it at Easter because it speaks of his victory uh, but it's, again, like we've been talking about the last couple of days, there's something deeper even about it now as we're kind of in this, uh, this time where we don't feel like we're in control and it feels like even sickness and death are winning right. to be reminded of the victory in Christ and that in that we can be strong and immovable. That's good, man. Ours uh, might be oddly similar, actually. I like it. I uh, will see. Let me, let's cross that bridge when we get there. So, <laughs> the passage, I actually did a, a Facebook live for our church this morning on this passage, and I have never in my life taught on this passage. It's First Chronicles 28, uh, 11 to 20. And I won't actually read the first huh. eight, eight verses, but I'll explain to you what's going on. So it's King David, and he's preparing to hand the throne to his son. And, you know, that's, a lot of responsibility, right? right. The, the armies and the land and all that. And from verse 11 to 18, he gives this like insanely detailed list of how he's to build the temple, which is such an overwhelming task, right? That it's the temple, you know, the temple in Jewish thought was like this, it was the centerpiece. It was, it was yeah. everything. And so 
King David is giving these instructions to his son. And I'm reading, at least in my translation, there, there's not a single period in any of those verses. It's just wow. comma, 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 comma. And I was reading these instructions from King David to Solomon thinking, I feel a little bit of that weight right now. Like it just feels like there's so much to do and there's no period. There's no resting. It's just comma, comma, comma. And it's like the work feels important, but like a little crushing at times. And I don't know. I feel like I really resonated with, uh, at least to some degree, I'm not becoming king anytime soon, but just that idea of, wow, that is a lot. And there's yeah. a, lot of, a lot to do. And then this is what verse 20 says. David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do yeah. not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. And that just like hit me like a ton of bricks. It's almost like this father sees the stress and strain in his son's eyes. Mm. He says, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord, my God is with you and he's not going to fail you. He's not going to let you down. It made me think of, uh, what's that? Second Corinthians 12, right? My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Yeah. Now I'll boast in my weaknesses. So the power of Christ might work through me. It's almost this like ownership of our limitations, but still like, like you were saying, but still stepping out and doing the work, do the work that's been prepared for you. And sometimes for me, at least I jump right to the work and I miss yeah. the like being strengthened in the Lord piece, right? Like I just like wake up, hit the ground running and I'm doing stuff. I remember hearing Martin Luther, or hearing Martin Luther, reading Martin Luther. <laughs> you heard yeah. Martin Luther. I saw him on tour. It was really good. <laughs> but the, the, the quote always kind of rattled me. He said, um, I have so much to do today that I need to spend the first three hours of it in prayer. That's right. And I remember thinking that's often the opposite of how I feel. It's like, oh, I have so much to do, to do today you know, prayer can wait. It's this like total inversion. Luther seemed to understand that like, no, no, that's where my strength and vitality to do the work comes from. And it, it, it reminded me of another story, another obscure Old Testament story in First Samuel 30, where the same King David, they come back from this battle and they see that like their homes have been ravaged, their women and children have been taken away and the, everything's been set on fire and David's men want to turn on him which is just an unbelievable circumstance. Right. And, and the verse says that he strengthened himself in the Lord. Mm. I was like, man, at least personally, when I face hardships, I often kind of like drum up my own strength or drum That's up right. my own bravery or my, you know, my own boldness. And, and in this first Samuel passage, and then David to his son, Solomon, you know, he's giving them this list. He doesn't say, so keep your head up, keep right. a stiff upper lip, you know, power through. He says, no, 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 no. He says, be strong and courageous, do the work, but do not be afraid or discouraged because God is with you. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to let you down. And uh, for me, I don't know, in the midst of all of the work that looks very different right now than it typically does, yeah. I am feeling the weight and I know that you're feeling the weight too. Like I'm, I'm teaching this Sunday and I'm, and I'm feeling a lot of that weight. Like, oh yeah. my goodness, there's just a, it feels like a mountain a little bit. Um, and I'm, I'm going to work hard at it. And I'm going to put in the time, but I've been really convicted this week to not let my strength come from myself. You know, yeah. that Christ's strength, God's strength is made perfect when we're weak, when we don't have all the answers, when we feel maybe a little overwhelmed. And uh, I don't know, could you see this, the similarities between mine and yours? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And I think that's good for people to hear because, yeah, we're in the middle of it, man, with everybody else and, and uniquely as pastors in some ways. And uh, we're holding on to these passages as much as we're trying to point other people to them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Brian, I'm, I'm wondering, would it be okay uh, per my friend Travis's recommendation? Could I just pray to close out this segment? That'd be all Please right. Please do. Please yeah, do. Let me, just, let me just pray for all of us. Uh, Father, when I'm afraid, I know personally I'm tempted to rely on my own courage and I learn more and more that that's just not enough. So would you, would you be with us? Would you give us your courage? Would you help us to remember just how mighty and powerful you are on the days that we feel like we're at our end? And would you help us to see others, to encourage others, to be a life and light to them? And as your word invites us and challenges, help us to do the work, but not on our own strength. Help us to do it in your strength, God. We thank you and we love you. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. All right, coming up next, one of my favorite people on planet earth, his name is Dr. Warren Anderson. And he has a blog that he just wrote and he shares with us some of his reflections about how the church has responded amidst the pandemic. That's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, and that's where we post all of our articles. You can review the page there. You can share it with a friend. You can also find us wherever it is you get podcasts. If you wouldn't mind subscribing or rating or reviewing, all of that really does help us out. We know a lot of people are looking for recommendations. And uh, you can also find us at 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. And I'm really excited about this next segment. So Dr. Warren Anderson who is a friend and a mentor, a brilliant professor and dean over at Jets University, my alma mater, but also an incredible writer. Like just one of those guys that when he posts a blog, I'm reading it. I'm like I'm, right? stopping, I'm stopping what I'm doing to read it just because his wisdom, I think, is so timely. He, he wrote a blog that uh, I just thought was so timely and so convicting and so uh, important. So rather than just simply share with you about the blog, uh, Warren actually recorded some audio himself talking about the blog. So here is Dr. Warren Anderson. Hello, this is Warren Anderson. I am the director of the DeMoss Center for Worship in the Performing Arts at Judson University, and I am reading from a blog post that I submitted on Monday, March 23rd. I hope this blesses you. It's entitled, A Thought to Consider in Light of the Well-Intended and Possibly Completely Correct Exhortation to Seize the Moment of unprecedented opportunity. It seems anyone with a platform of any kind has something to offer the church in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak. My plan for this blog, in fact, had been to share some thoughts from go-to thinkers on worship and the church in culture, and I still might do that sometime. One of the persistent themes concerns the necessity to view this crisis as an unprecedented opportunity to affect our world for Christ. In two separate sermons I caught recently, the pastors encouraged us, especially those with significant shelter-in-place time on the horizon, to use this time well. For the record, this is my default setting. I'm the firstborn type A overachiever who groans every time Martha gets unilaterally bashed in sermons on Luke 10, 38-42, with nary an acknowledgment that in that Jewish culture of hospitality, Mary wouldn't have had the luxury of simply being had not Martha or somebody been worried about doing. If I'm inclined to side 
or at least empathize with Martha regarding typical protocol for welcoming a guest, even a divine one, I'm even more inclined to embrace this get-to-it perspective in the midst of a very atypical world pandemic. Indeed, my gut tells me to add my voice to those now providing consider-this-how-tos and encouraging believers to make sure we grab this moment for the kingdom. And yet, parenthetical aside, it's not for want of opinion that I refrain. Well, okay, just one. Xer and millennial worship leaders, if you're going to ask boomers and builders to sing along with your live-streamed or pre-recorded worship set in the confines of their kitchens, laptops in tow, please let them sing a song or two from the soundtrack of their faith, too. If ever there were a time to put it as well with my soul, great is thy faithfulness and how great thou art into regular rotation, this is it. End parenthesis. But something in my soul pushes back a bit on this carpe diem mentality. Maybe I'm the only one for whom this is true, but whenever I hear exhortations like those I've heard numerous times the past several days, I am way too inclined to jump into the process without doing nearly enough praying, fasting, contemplating, or consulting with folks far more expert in all kinds of areas than I. I leap into fix-it mode with spiritually reckless abandon, buoyed by the mantra that these unprecedented times and the attendant unprecedented opportunity demand my such-a-time-as-this sold-out activity. Now, said activity can tempt me to put the spiritual cart before the horse and threaten to cause me to forget from whence comes my strength. Maybe I'm the only one for whom this is true. Psalm 46 has been quoted a lot of late, especially the first three verses. I used them myself in a devotional a few days ago. Quote, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. End quote. And praise God for these truths. But I'm drawn at this moment to the well-known end of the psalm, where God says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. John Goldengay, writing in the Baker Commentary on the Old Testament and Wisdom in Psalms, says this about that verse, quote, the challenge to be still also issues an important challenge to the people of God to give up thinking it has responsibility for its destiny, or that its task is to bring in the kingdom of God, extend the kingdom of God, or further the kingdom of God. Scripture does not think in such terms. The psalm makes clear that the city of God is not a mere heavenly community, but an earthly reality. But in this city, it is not for us to fix things, it is for us to expect God to fix things, end quote. For any pastors or worship leaders who, like me, especially in the wake of urgent exhortation, are prone to take on mantles of responsibility without thinking enough about the one who wraps us in those mantles, I offer the words of Eugene Peterson in the unsettlingly titled The Unnecessary Pastor, quote, Number one. We are unnecessary to what the culture presumes is important. 
We are viewed as persons who provide a background of social stability, who are useful in terms of crisis, in times of crisis, and serve as symbols of meaning and purpose. But we are not necessary in any of those ways. Number two, we are also unnecessary to what we ourselves feel is essential. As the linchpin holding a congregation together, we have important work to do, but if we don't do it, God can always find someone else. Number three, and we are unnecessary to what congregations insist that we must do and be. They want pastors who lead. They want pastors the way the Israelites wanted a king. End quote. I don't necessarily know what this means in practical terms in the days ahead. These thoughts are by no means fully formed. But I am reasonably confident the church will rise up and be the church in the weeks and months ahead, with or without its members' full appreciation of the unprecedentedness of the opportunity before her. The Lord be with you. All right. So what did you think of all that, Brian? I just love how the, the Eugene Peterson stuff he quotes at the end, mm-hmm. uh, because I struggle with this, right? For any pastors, he says, or worship leaders, especially in the wake of urgent exhortation, are prone to take on the mantles of responsibility without thinking enough about the one who wraps us in those mantles. And then he talks about mm-hmm. the different ways we're unnecessary. Uh, I think when I was younger as a pastor, I wanted to think that I was so necessary. And now mm-hmm. it gives, brings me great comfort when he's like, you, you know, it's not about you. And I just think that's so helpful, especially in times like this that feel overwhelming to be reminded, whether you're a pastor or, or whatever you are, um, the role that you play. So this blog, like you said, it's, it'll be at our Facebook page. People go read it because it's just really uh, there's there's a ton of stuff in it. That's just great. Yeah, the thing that I like even about his title, the the headline is a thought to consider in light of well-intended and possibly completely correct exhortation to seize the moment of unprecedented opportunity. That's literally like how he talks. Like, is that right? This dude is one of the wisest guys I know. And he regularly says things like, I could be way wrong. I could be totally off on this. Here's just sort of what I'm thinking. And I don't, that to me is one of the many reasons that I just so respect him and so appreciate him. And it's why I think his voice tends to really cut through because there is that, Humility. He practices what he preaches. I can I can tell you firsthand, like the stuff that he's talking about that he's grappling with in this blog and all of his previous ones. That's like real for Dr. Anderson to be grappling with it. And even if you were to read all of them, you'd see this open handedness, which I think yeah. right now, as we're all sort of like on high alert and probably more stressed out than we typically are, his is a voice that uh, I would I would definitely suggest subscribing to this blog because my gut says this isn't the last time in the midst of this new reality that Dr. Warren Anderson is going to have all kinds of wisdom for us to learn from. So really appreciate you, Dr. Anderson. Thank you so much for all you do and the ways that you lead uh, both locally and abroad. Coming up next, a segment that we introduced this week called good news in the light of all sorts of bad news. We want to spend a little time just sharing some good news that's coming up next here on the common good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for some Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm. Just to say it again, we so appreciate you listening, being a part of The Common Good family. If there's anything that we can do to better serve you, topics or ideas or angles or articles, even honestly, if there's a Bible passage you'd love for us to kind of unpack a little bit. We're sort of pastors, so we could maybe give it a shot. But if you want to 
find us, you can find us on Facebook, the common good radio show. And that's where we post all of our articles. Uh, and if you ever have a suggestion to make, you can make that there. We're also at 1160hope.com slash the common good, uh, at Twitter at common good talk. And wherever it is, you get your podcast. You're probably so tired of hearing me say it, but when you subscribe, when you rate, when you review all of that, honest to God really does help us out. And I know a lot of people are looking for podcast suggestions or going on walks whenever they can. So if you want to send it to a friend, make a recommendation, uh, we would really, really appreciate that a whole lot. This is a segment that is brand new. I think this week just called it's time for some good news because yes. let's be honest, man, there's a lot of, I don't want to say bad news. Some of it's bad, but some of it's like it's discouraging. Hard. Yeah. It's heavy. hard. Some of it's, some of it's heavy. Some of it's yeah. weighty. So we want to just dedicate an entire segment uh, talking about some good in the world. I have four articles and I'm just going to let Brian Fromm choose which of the four to start with. Oh, I'm just going to do the first one you listed. Uh, but although you'll probably be mad because you, if I remember right, you are a Swifty. Okay. Uh, All right. No, no. <laughs> this first article is about Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're both a Swifty and a believer, if I remember right. Is Swifty a real thing? It is, yes. Oh, at least man. at one point, that is what the Taylor Swift fans were known as. You're so hip, Brian Fromm. I hear you. Uh, so, uh, this at Relevant Magazine, apparently Taylor Swift is just giving thousands of dollars away to out-of-work fans. Wow. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has sent the economy reeling and along with it, the job market on Thursday, it was announced that 3.3 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits last week, shattering the previous record of 685,000. Think about that difference. 3.3 million shattered the record of 685,000. Wow. Uh, in the U.S., joblessness also often means lack of health insurance and all of this. It can make for a frightening time. Uh, some people have the resources to help others and few have more than Taylor Swift. And that because of that, the global pop star uh, reportedly has been reaching out to fans who've been posting about being out of work and sending them thousands of dollars. And they've got screenshots of this just on Twitter of her sending them, uh, you know, uh, just thousands of dollars over Venmo or other ways. Uh, what a cool thing like that. She's literally doing this and people, I think people were like, is this actually real? Is this a scam? And no, it's her actually sending thousands of dollars. That's why I don't know much about her to be honest. I know she has a new documentary on Netflix, but she's done stuff like this for a long time. Actually. Yeah. I, I do have to kind of tip my hat to her, at least in that regard, because this seems like particularly on point for the kind of public image she's maintained, which I think, yeah. you know, there's a lot of negative public images. I'm appreciative of this one. All right, so this one's uh, with our good friends over at goodnewsnetwork.org. If you are not checking out goodnewsnetwork.org on the regular, by the way, uh, you're like heart and soul needs it. It's really good. So this headline, and you, you should go because there's a video and a photo, but it says, watch Spanish man share a drink with isolated neighbors by filling their glasses from two floors above. <laughs> it's so amazing. This. As Spanish residents remain in quarantine during the COVID-19 outbreaks, many neighbors have found creative ways of connecting with each other while still respecting isolation rules. This particular apartment dweller in Oviedo, uh, what is that? Asturias? Uh, somewhere in Spain. My yes. goodness, was filmed sharing a drink with his neighbor's uh, neighbor two floors down. Journalist Paleo Barro managed to capture a video of the man slowly pouring his bottle of cider over the side of the balcony so that the liquid fell directly into the glasses of his downstairs neighbor's Upon successfully filling their cups, the man could be seen toasting the city block as his neighbors cheered for his awesome. unique little victory. Obviously, again, not groundbreaking news, but just go to the website, watch the video. It'll, it'll make you smile, I promise. 
That's great. I'm going to stay in celebrity news here. Uh, out of Relevant Magazine again, Chris Hemsworth is giving away free virtual workouts during quarantine season. Oh, don't I know it? <laughs> it says one of the hardest parts of quarantine season is staying active. Weeks of staying inside is bound to throw a wrench to your fitness goals. Uh, and you can only bench press a broomstick so many times. <laughs> I can do that a lot of times. <laughs> But for those who want to keep moving in self-isolation, no less a fitness icon than Chris Hemsworth is ready to bring the thunder. The Thor star is giving away six free weeks of virtual workouts on his fitness app center. Uh, that The app is called Center, C-E-N-T-R. The app has lots of home workouts and you can customize it for your own level goals and whatever equipment you have around the house. There's even meal plans and guided meditation options. So it's a good deal. So he's given away six weeks for free. If you feel <laughs> cooped up and you need a good workout, there you go. Are you going to, are you going to subscribe to that, Brian? Uh, subscribe again. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to subscribe, rate, review. Nice. The beauty is the beauty is if you went into this self-isolation without fitness goals, you're not disappointed right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Touche. I like, I like your perspective, Brian. This last one going back to uh, goodnewsnetwork.org. Here's the headline. Hotels are opening up free rooms to healthcare workers battling the COVID-19 outbreaks Mm. as a means of caring for the hospital staffers in New York city and the UK currently battling the novel coronavirus outbreaks. These hotels offering up free accommodation during the coming weeks. Ty Warner, the chairman of the company, which owns the Four Seasons in Midtown, New York City, announced this week that he would be opening up the five-star hotel to the state for complimentary use. Warner says he was inspired to volunteer the free rooms after hearing uh, one of Governor Andrew uh, Cuomo's uh, calls to action this week. Uh, sorry, I got ads popping up all over my computer. Yeah. Right <laughs> this is why we typically like printing these things off. Uh, it says many of those working in New York City have had to travel long distances to and from their homes after putting in 18-hour days, Warner said in a statement. They need a place close to work where they can rest and regenerate. Uh, I heard the governor's call to action during one of his press conferences, and there was no other option for us but to do whatever we could to help. Ah, doesn't that? It's great. It warms your heart a little bit, doesn't it? It does. And to see private businesses doing it, because again, the government can only do so much, and you know, a lot of people don't think they're doing enough, but, but there is, um, to see private businesses that don't have to do these things. I mean, this puts them at some risk, uh, of, uh, you know, what, what will be, if, if there's lots of infected people, doctors and nurses or whatever in their hotel. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it says, according to NBC New York, there are a number of prominent hotels within a 30 block radius of the luxury hotel, uh, also doing the same thing. Uh, kind of, then it goes into some stuff in England. And so you just, I don't know, man, I like these stories. There's so much heavy news right now and it's going to remain. Uh, but don't you think it's important for us to be able to just kind of take a deep breath and smile and, and be reminded that there are, there is good in humanity and there are good things going on that people are doing, especially in these really trying times. Yeah, no kidding, man. This doesn't really, I guess this kind of fits the category too. uh, Pope Francis is the, his, uh, yeah. What's it called? Urbi et Orbi, uh, his address on the coronavirus uh, and Jesus calming the storm is you sh- You can read the full transcript. We'll, we'll put that link up on the Facebook page, too, because it is remarkable whether you're a person of faith or not, whether you're Catholic or not. Like it is just one of those types of addresses that my guess is. 10, 15, 20 years down the road, uh, we're going to remember these words specifically. I think this is going to be a really timely, like memorable, important shift 
in the culture because, you know, as we know, Italy in a lot of ways is really, really getting hammered hard. So for these kinds of words to come out of a place like that right now, to me, just feels so timely. Yeah. And it's almost a little haunting when you see, um, you see him sitting alone in St. Peter's Square there. Yeah. And you're like, right. you, you normally are like, man, that would be wall to wall people right now. Uh, it is a little haunting. Yeah. The Pope's words, uh, regardless of your religious background, or if you have religious background at all are, are really encouraging. And we would encourage you to read them uh, with like the minute we have left. I did think of you. Uh, this is totally off the subject, but are you watching the tiger King by the way? <laughs> I I just accidentally started and did you? now I can't stop. I, th- I have no idea. I haven't seen it. It's on Netflix, but I have to be honest. This is where our friendship is. When I saw all these people talking about it, I'm like, I have no doubt. I know one person watching this. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I was the one person on your list that you knew with certainty. While I would say it. at least you're the first person who came to mind. How does that sound? I'm feeling pretty honored by that. Actually, Brian, that means, that means a lot. It's as weird as it looks, by the way. <laughs> Let let me assure you, it was one of those, I was watching something else, walked away and it like auto played or something. And I came back and at first I was like, what is this? And then like 10 <laughs> seconds later, I was like, okay, I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> it was, it was very, very strange. I don't know necessarily that that belongs in the good news. It segment, does. It. I just knew we had a minute. But, and I was curious. Uh, and it's the perfect segue. We're bringing it back. We're going to end the show the way that we sometimes do. We haven't necessarily the last week and a half but with some interweb insanity, stories that we have not read, sound effects we have not heard. And that's how we're going to land the plane here at The Common Good on AIM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. It's Ian Simpkins here. And after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area, uh, my interest was kind of piqued with regards to what kind of organization this was. And it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link. And it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to, to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began, because there was this no strings attached kind of mentality was just their heart to give back to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously to be wise with money and live generously and that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them and so if you're interested in learning more I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today here's some weird stuff we found on the internet here's some more weird stuff we found on the web all right lads and ladies that wild music can mean only one thing Well, I guess it means a couple of things. It means the show is wrapping up, which means we're wrapping up for the week, which that's sort of sad, right? But we'll be back again Monday. Don't worry. We will. But it also means it's time for Interweb Insanity. And if you're brand new to the show, here's how this segment works. Uh, It's stories that we have not read before with sound effects that we have not heard. And Brian and I just read them sight unseen. I don't know why we still submit ourselves or subject ourselves to this. It is, uh, but we it is do. dangerous, yes. It really is. Before we do that, though, a quick word from our friends at Thriving Financial. If you're not aware, Thriving Financial is a Fortune 500 not-for-profit serving members for over 100 stinking years. 
I've been a Thrivent member for almost all hundred of those years, but <laughs> it's an incredible organization. And my guess is, particularly in this season, some of you might be looking for a change in employment. And uh, if you have an entrepreneurial drive or you just like coming alongside and helping people, uh, Thrivent might be the perfect fit for you. You can go to Thrivent.com slash careers. That's Thrivent.com slash careers or just simply call 630-598-2128. That's 630-598-2128. With that said, Brian Fromm, why don't you kick us off? I will from my home state of New Jersey. Pizza Hut employee faked robbery to look favorable with corporate. Oh, gosh. Okay. A Pizza Hut employee allegedly made up a story about a robbery at the store because he wanted to look favorable with corporate. Howell Township police say that they responded to the Pizza Hut around 10.30 a.m. after employee Joseph Bowdy called 911 to report that a man who was brandishing a handgun confronted him while demanding cash. Bowdy claimed that he fought off the suspect, who then left the restaurant empty-handed. Police say they were suspicious of the story, but had to thoroughly investigate it. Police say that 26 Howell police officers responded to the scene and spent nearly two hours searching for the alleged suspect and taking precautionary measures. Police say that this included issuing a shelter in place. Obviously, this is a little while ago. Right. uh, At the Goddard School and Southern School. But police say surveillance footage showed that no one left through the door that Bowdy claimed the gunman exited. Police say that after questioning Bowdy further, he admitted that he made the whole thing up so he could get a raise. That was really stupid. I don't know that I necessarily miss this segment, but it, <laughs> it is sort of comforting to come back to, though. You it know? is. It is. Like going to Taco Bell late at night. You're like, this might not be a good idea, but I'm glad I'm here. Well, um, I'm glad I'm here. It's home. <laughs> this one's out of England. This was from a few days ago. Website calculates toilet paper needs during COVID-19. A website developed by an artist and a London software development student is designed to help families calculate how much toilet paper they need to ride out quarantine during COVID-19 pandemic. The website is howmuchtoiletpaper.com. That's amazing. Asks users to input how many rolls of toilet paper they currently have inside their homes and the average number of daily toilet visits in their household. The calculator then tells the user how many days their supply will last, as well as what percentage of the user's quarantine time will be covered. Because I tried it, and you still can't see the numbers. Yes, uh, people will—they uh, will find a way to get in on anything here. So, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, again, this one from a few days ago, before things got too crazy in New York. But now it says here, New York wedding officiated from fourth floor apartment window. A New York couple practiced safe social distancing during their outdoor wedding by having the ceremony officiated by a friend from the window on his fourth floor apartment. Hmm. Uh, Riley Jennings and Amanda Wheeler said they decided to move up their wedding, which was originally scheduled for October, due to fears the coronavirus could worsen. So they procured a marriage license Thursday from the New York City Marriage Bureau with the intention of returning the following day for the ceremony. The couple found their plans foiled Friday when Mayor Bill de Blasio ordered the bureau closed indefinitely amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Jennings and Wheeler elicited the help of friend Matt Wilson, a licensed marriage officiant, and held their wedding on the street outside of Wilson's apartment in the Washington Heights neighborhood of Manhattan. Good night and have a pleasant Good night tomorrow. and have a pleasant tomorrow. All right, so this next one out of California, this could maybe have fit in our good news segment. Firefighters police sing happy birthday to boy after party was canceled due to stay at home order. Brown Bell was about to celebrate his ninth birthday. Oh, man, that's such a bummer. But unfortunately, due to California's stay-at-home order, again, this was a few days ago, that was issued Thursday evening by Governor Gavin Newsom. His birthday party has been canceled. 
But even without a party, uh, Browen still got a big surprise. Firefighters with Riverside City Fire Station 3 drove two engines to Browen's house and sang happy birthday to him. Soon after that, the Riverside Police Department joined in on the action. We could not let our friends at the fire department have all the attention, so we also stopped by the Browen's house to wish him a happy birthday after his party had to be canceled. Are you crying? Am I crying? No, I'm not crying. You're crying. That's a nice one, but that's not where we're ending. You know where we're ending? Of course not. Probably Florida. Yep. We are going to end in Florida. Why not? A man who was peeing all over room attacks Good Samaritan who tried to stop him. Oh, God. Okay. A drunk Florida man thanked a Good Samaritan who gave him a place to stay when he couldn't get home uh, by urinating all over his bedroom and then attacking him. The victim said he was at a party in downtown Melbourne on Saturday uh, when he met a friend of a friend. Uh, Gieb, age 23, was drunk, didn't have a way to get home, and couldn't provide his address, so the victim took him back to his place so he could have a safe place to be. The victim allowed Gieb to sleep in room, and he went to sleep in another room uh, for the night. Sunday morning, the victim heard noises from the house, and he found Gieb being everywhere in the room, according to the affidavit. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. See all of the nice places we went today, and offending right there, man. We had to, we had to end, we had to end with that story. <laughs> this is offend. <laughs> this is why I'm always, this is why I'm always trepidatious about this segment, and I imagine you probably are too. But it has been such an incredible week with you all this week. Uh, Brian Fromm and I are most certainly praying with you and for you. If there's anything that we can do the love on you guys please do not hesitate to let us know and we will see you again next week and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m this has been the common good right here on am 1160 hope for your life